Dickens always felt that mankind was holding on to civilization by its fingertips, whilst the dark abyss of ignorance yawned beneath. The seemingly cosy and complacent scenes in the Maypole Inn are shown to breed petty tyranny in the landlord, John Willett, towards his son Joe, whilst the secure domestic environment of Gabriel Varden's house shelters Sim Tappertit, the prentice whose vanity leads him to create a secret society called the United Bulldogs that promotes anti-Catholic prejudice and plays an active part in the riots. Both the Maypole and Varden's house fall victim to the mob. Safety and security are delusions to Dickens. Amongst the innocent victims sucked into the mob is the novel's eponymous hero, Barnaby, a simpleton, the holy fool of romantic literature, who is the innocent butt of the unfeeling world about him. His pet raven, Grip, seems to have more of a grip on worldly matters than his master, the bird's random quotations and demeanour making him seem at times grotesquely human. Dickens himself had a pet raven, and was fascinated by its mimicry. It cannot be said that Barnaby Rudge was a great success. The magazine's circulation fell, and with the publication of the final chapters, Dickens announced the closure of Master Humphrey's Clock. The novel has never been one of Dickens's most popular, Perhaps the uneasy balance of plot and historical fact accounts for this. But Dickens remained undaunted by the novel's poor reception. He wrote with inimitable confidence, I was always sure I could make a good thing of Barnaby, and I think you'll find that it comes out strong to the last word. A Description of Barnaby What's he here to do? said the old man, alighting. How's this? What? Barnaby? The bearer of the torch shook his long, loose hair back from his eyes, and thrusting his face eagerly into that of the locksmith, fixed upon him a look which told his history at once. You know me, Barnaby? said Varden. He nodded, not once or twice, but a score of times, and that with a fantastic exaggeration which would have kept his head in motion for an hour, but that the locksmith held up his finger and fixing his eyes sternly upon him, caused him to desist, then pointed to the body with an inquiring look. "'There's blood upon him,' said Barnaby with a shudder. "'It makes me sick.' "'How came it there?' demanded Varden. "'Steal, steal, steal!' he replied fiercely, imitating with his hand the thrust of a sword. "'Is he robbed?' said the locksmith. Barnaby caught him by the arm and nodded, "'Yes,' then pointed towards the city. "'Oh!' said the old man, bending over the body and looking round as he spoke into Barnaby's pale face, strangely lighted up by something that was not intellect. The robber made off that way, did he? Well, well, never mind that just now. Hold your torch this way, a little farther off. So, now stand quiet while I try to see what harm is done. With these words he applied himself to a closer examination of the prostrate form, while Barnaby, holding the torch as he had been directed, looked on in silence, fascinated by interest or curiosity, but repelled nevertheless by some strong and secret horror which convulsed him in every nerve. As he stood, at that moment, half shrinking back and half bending forward, both his face and figure were full in the strong glare of the link, and as distinctly revealed as though it had been broad day. He was about three-and-twenty years old, and though rather spare of a fair height and strong make, 
His hair, of which he had a great profusion, was red, and hanging in disorder about his face and shoulders, gave to his restless looks an expression quite unearthly, enhanced by the paleness of his complexion and the glassy lustre of his large protruding eyes. Startling as his aspect was, the features were good, and there was something even plaintive in his wan and haggard aspect. But the absence of the soul is far more terrible in a living man than in a dead one, and in this unfortunate being its noblest powers were wanting. His dress was of green, clumsily trimmed here and there, apparently by his own hands, with gaudy lace, brightest where the cloth was most worn and soiled, and poorest where it was at the best. A pair of tawdry ruffles dangled at his wrists, while his throat was nearly bare. He had ornamented his hat with a cluster of peacock's feathers, but they were limp and broken, and now trailed negligently down his back. Girt to his side was the steel hilt.